What day is it? It's uh, Tuesday. This is Edward Marlowe in the For Those Who Inquired podcast, and it's really strange to be recording with you earlier in the week. Didn't we just do this yesterday? Yeah, it does feel like it was just yesterday, uh, but... It's, it's kind of like Groundhog Day? Yeah, it is Groundhog Day. It feels... Oh, it really is Groundhog Day. It really is Groundhog Day, and, and really, uh, you know what my dream scenario would be for Groundhog Day? It would be for you and I to record the same podcast over and over and oh, over. No. Oh, no. In a Bill Murray fashion. Yeah, I would call it... That would be called... You'd call that dream scenario. I'd call that hell. Hell, That's right. right. Yeah. Well, okay, obviously... Uh, I should have listened, and uh, they were right all along. So yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we 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 have a we have a varying opinion of of heaven and hell. Apparently, uh, I, I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I think this would be heaven if we just recorded the same podcast. See, if I would have been, it's like uh, you can go relax in the room and uh, watch sports. Like yo, it's like there's soccer on every channel. Yes. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's we got another again, barn burner here. One to nothing. Should have listened. Should have listened. listened. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Punxsutawney Phil did see his shadow. We will have six more weeks of winter. How about that? You know, I the old Farmer's Almanac we run on the uh, the WNBS radio station, right. they had a guy go through Punxsutawney Phil's predictions. He's only 30% at 30%, mm-hmm. which uh, that isn't good. However, it does qualify him to be a TV weather person. Yeah, it's perfect. So that that would be good. Uh, so congratulations. I'm sure he's out there waiting to get hired. Just uh, <laughs> crawl down in his hole and go, hey, get out of here. <laughs> it feels cold down here. It looks like winter's on the way. That's right. For another six more weeks. Uh, all, all joking aside, you do have the Death Valley swing this week with uh, Moorhead State in eastern Kentucky, and snow is on the way, so don't get stuck in the mountains. Uh, Mr. Rukavina's not going to. Call me on that. Is he? I don't think so. Okay. No, I don't think so. Actually, but but yeah, it is Groundhog's Day, and uh, (laughs) we did just record a podcast uh, this past Friday, uh, in which we were preparing ourselves for uh, what would have been an epic Belmont game. And it was a great game. What was an epic Belmont game, and and it definitely was very very good. Um, Murray State men's basketball and women's basketball uh, hosted Belmont on uh, this past Saturday in the CFSB Center. Both games really, really good. The women's game as well. You take a look at what Murray State did against Belmont, especially in that first half, and you're thinking you're in good company. You're, you you feel good. Uh, you saw a racer basketball team that had an early 22 to 15 lead, then you know recaptured the lead after Belmont turned four turnovers into ten straight points. The racers with eight minutes to go had a 60 to 51 lead, and then. Belmont did what Belmont does, um, and what has been what is what they've been doing all year. They did it to Austin P two nights prior, when P looked like it was about to capture a big win. Uh, Belmont closed the game on a twenty-one to nine run, and uh, and won the game. So or twenty-one to eleven actually, and, and and won the game. And and Nick Mazinski with a giant, massive block yeah. uh, on Tevin Brown in the final seconds. Could have been free throws, could have been a made basket. Instead, it was just Nick Mazinski making a really, really good defensive play, really smart defensive play. Uh, hated it for Tevin. Obviously, you know, the team was crushed, but uh, Belmont wins, escapes 72-71. to I don't think the Racers played a bad game. Not at all. They, they didn't shoot free throws well, so that was the worst part. Only had 12 turnovers, but Kenny and I were talking after the game. That's a great total against everybody. 
except Belmont. You probably need to keep it 10 and under against them uh, because uh, those turnovers turned into way too many points yeah. for Belmont, and that's something that the racers really couldn't counter. 22 points, actually. Right, right. And uh, But all in all, I, I wasn't really disappointed defensively. Uh, it took very good care of the ball. Uh, K.J. Williams was, again, uh, just a, an absolute monster. We're gonna, he's on a, he's we're gonna, on a tear. Yeah, we're going to talk about K.J. And for sure. By the way, the player of the week in the OVC, and uh, last year the Racers, by the way, won an OVC championship uh, in the regular season and had zero players of the week, zero newcomers of the week. Zero. And zero freshman of the week. We didn't talk they about didn't that much that. last year, did we? No, we did not. But Actually, I, just, just to I think we brought it up every week. Zero. Zero. Didn't have any. Um, but anyway, uh, they, they did get one, and this was a tough-to-deny one because uh, KJ put up uh, the big numbers. But uh, the Belmont game, to go back to that, uh, it was a classic one. They always, almost always come to come down to that final minute. So we've had some classic games, and Belmont's that one team that gets the better of the racers more often than anyone else. We're the o- they're the only team the racers have a losing record against in OVC play. Yeah, and so I- the situation – and, and there's so many different in a one point game. I, I even wrote about this. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough with it being in Murray. I, I caught the game and you know was able to talk to a couple of guys uh, after the game. Talk, you know, asked Tevin KJ some questions and Coach McMahon. And and, and the one thing that you, t- you that's so tough about it is you just you could tell obviously the players were gutted. I mean, with a nine point lead with eight minutes to go, you don't think that's safe. But there just kept being big play after big play after big play, and Belmont just had one more big play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give Tevin Brown credit. I know he only went three of eight from three, but that's 37.5 percent. Yeah. Missed a couple of tough open ones that probably would have put Belmont into a an, 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 an irrecoverable hole early. Um, uh, 60 to 51. He and Chico missed back to back wide open corner threes. That if they make those, it's a 16 point lead, and Belmont's done. Right. So you know, I'm sure they're thinking of that. Uh, you know, a tough early in the shot clock three from Daquan Smith with 45 seconds to go, I think gave Belmont a little bit of extra, just a few extra seconds to make another play. Tough turnover by Tevin Brown as Grayson Murphy blitzed him on a late play, which ended up turning into a unfortunate phantom foul for Ben Shepard for the winning free throw. Um, and then on the final play, Belmont junked its defense up. And, you know, Justice Hill made a really smart pass to Tevin Brown, which, by the way, had made back-to-back three-pointers yeah. to keep that game just even in reach for the racers. Um, and, and Tevin was blocked on that final play. But, I, you know, Belmont moved to 18-1 and with that win. They're, you know, 12-0 and in the OVC. And, you know, and it is what it is. They're, you, you have to be so good to beat Belmont. And I can understand how maddening that would be when you go look at the box score just as a reporter, but even as a player, you see how even everything is. And, I mean, just two more free throws, and it's 73-72. Yeah. Just the littlest of things you have to do well against Belmont, and if you don't, you're going to lose. And everybody in the OVC has experienced that now, just for since they've been in the league, but just this year and the ride that they're on, Belmont now getting votes uh, in the AP Top 25, deservedly so. Uh, in the net, they're Top 80. Um you take a look at Grayson Murphy. I would have to think he is at the tippy top of the conversation for OVC Player of the Year. I think you could probably throw, you know, Tevin Brown, not Tevin, sorry. Um, I think you could throw Terry Taylor in that conversation. Um, 
I think if he'd gotten off to a better start shooting, you could have put Tevin Brown in that conversation. And there are still nine conference games left to mix this up a little bit. But right now, I don't if, think Tevin's in the conversation. No, right now no, at all. no. Player I, of the year. I'd say. I'd say. I'd say if the Racers get a a, a big run, KJ Williams might yeah. have conversation. But it, right now, it's Grayson Murphy and Terry Taylor. I'd have to think uh, as the two. Yeah, if you're looking at all the numbers across the league, Moorhead has one of those teams. If if it ends up being them, maybe they uh, run the table. Belmont takes a couple of losses, and Moorhead State perhaps could win it. Uh, they only have two losses in league play right now, but they don't have that one guy that stands out. It's that really balanced team like the Racers had in in 2010. I yeah, mean, you know where, where everybody averages about 10 points a game, 11 points a game, right? Right in there. Uh, I mean, their their leading scores 11.9. Janai Broom. He's a uh, uh, you know, freshman of the year candidate, no doubt about that. Absolutely, player of the year. That those are numbers that. Uh, but the, you know, Preston Spradlin. I'm sure he's saying the numbers I like are 13 and eight and 10 and two in the league, because uh, that's what it's about is, is the team. But it would be difficult to pick a uh, MVP from Moorhead State. Maybe a little easier for Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, and and I'm glad you mentioned these two teams because that's the Death Valley swing that the Racers get. Um, the but, last one ever in NBC play. Apparently so, yeah. And we, we talked a little bit about that last week. Yeah. About how, you know, it, you may play Eastern Kentucky, but it's not going to be a Death Valley no. swing anymore. No. Um, before we jump to who the Racers have to face this week uh, in those two tough teams, uh, had a rare Monday matinee, uh, a 6 o'clock game, yeah. uh, a makeup game with SEMO at the Show Me Center in Cape Girardeau. Rough start to that game. First three minutes, I didn't know if you and Kenny were even going to call a basket yeah. made. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, the Racers turned it over twice in the first two minutes, and there's a lot of, and I'm sure Racer fans at home going, well, okay, here we go again. We're going to be on a pace to, to have a, a zillion turnovers, and uh, neither team could make a shot. But the Racers started making a few. Uh, Daquan Smith, of all people, I think he scored the first six points for the Racers. That he did. I got K.J. Williams going, and uh, – Racer started to build a, a bit of a lead, ended up hitting a, a late three in the corner by uh, Hill that uh, put them up 12 at the half. Uh, they extended out out uh, beyond 20 points. 17-5 to five run to start the second <clears> half. It was an amazing run. And uh, some of that I thought really triggered by Devon Robinson. His start, he blocked three shots in a, a span of about five minutes. Uh, they really looked good defensively. And SEMO uh, was just all out of sorts to the point that uh, Brad Korn yanked, I think, three of his starters off the floor and let the very end of his bench play. A kid that plays about two minutes a game yep. got in there. I think Parker Long got in and played a few minutes and sort of showed, here's the way I want you to play, and now you can go back in. And uh, they gave a much better effort when they came back in. Yeah, a lot of different things to take away from this game. Number one, Daquan Smith. Uh, and we'll get, again, we're, we're saving some KJ talk for a little bit of an extended segment because, man, what what a month has that man had. But and really a great season. We've talked about you know what he's been able to do, mm-hmm. but you you go back to this this SEMO game. First of all, DeQuan Smith, sixteen points. He had six in the first two minutes. This is a guy who you know his sixteen points was a season high. Um, guy that you know last year shot the ball fairly well. You know coming off of that injury and and was a you know starting point guard for the Racers for most of the season. Really trying to find a rhythm. This year they try to move him more off the ball and give him some different roles and things like that, and, and he comes off the bench, and just the shooting percentages, McMahon said it multiple times, it just weren't there, just from three, from two, from free throw, for anything. I, you know, he wasn't turning the ball over. His assist-to-turnover ratio was great, and his defense is good. 
good enough to get him back into the starting lineup now, but yeah. from an offensive perspective, the explosion just hadn't been there. That changed, you hope, for, for maybe for the rest of the season, but at least for Monday night, you know, he goes 5 of 8, 3 of 6 from 3, m- makes 3 of 4 free throws, 3 assists, 1 turnover, 2 rebounds, played 29 minutes, played 17 minutes in the second half, and really gave the racers that offensive punch that they needed outside of K.J. Williams. I mean, K.J.'s going to give you apparently a double-double a game now. Uh, that's just He's got five and six games now mm-hmm. and uh, was unbelievable at the Show Me Center. I mean, the Show Me Center was show me what you can do, and K.J. just decided to make five of seven three-pointers as a 6'11 center. Um, 26 points, career high, 11 rebounds. Four steals. I think I heard you yeah. and Kenny talk about that's pretty rare for him. I mean, he, he'll come up with a steal or two every once in a while, but for him to clog the passing lanes and the paint and yank the ball away, just completely a completely efficient effort. And this is a team that, again, all the numbers, 20 assists, eight turnovers after those two early ones uh, yeah. to start the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, they ended with the half with six. And then Simo, trying to catch up, dialed up the pressure, and in the last 20 minutes, only two turnovers. That's amazing. Shows what they can do. And, uh, you know, 77 points, you see the production start to inch up whenever they don't turn it over. It's more opportunities to score. When you don't get a chance to throw the ball in the basket, it's very difficult to get points. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, common sense right there. More uh, Fewer turnovers leads to more opportunities to score, less opportunities for the other team, and they finally – win another points off turnover battle and uh, they've been winning a few of those recently whereas earlier in the season you just uh, you know close your eyes and hope they didn't lose it by too much because they were going to lose it yeah absolutely and and that was the thing too that I thought was so interesting about the SEMO game is just the amount of balanced play that you got yeah. Tevin Brown eight points four rebounds four assists no turnovers uh, Justice Hill you've already mentioned his late three in that beautiful possession in the final seconds yeah Chico Carter takes that three. That's fine. You're not upset about it, but if he misses it, he misses it. He's been shooting 48 49% from three in conference play. He takes it. Instead, he passes to an open and willing shooter in Justice Hill. Granted, Justice knows. We all know that his shooting percentages haven't been that great to start out the season. His first half of Division One basketball, uh, of his Division One basketball career, shooting just hasn't been his forte as of yet. Uh, and he makes a, a critical three. He finishes. Justice Hill finishes with five points, three rebounds, three assists, just one turnover. His assist-to-turnover ratio since he's hit the bench has been superb. Yeah. It really has. It's been three to one. Uh, Carter finished with six points, three assists. Uh, really the only guy that kind of struggled uh, was Devin Gilmore, and even then he got a critical bucket and still came away with two rebounds. And, and Damon Robinson, ten points, five rebounds, three blocks. That's the kind of balanced effort that this team needs to exude for the rest of the season with nine games to go in conference play. Right. Still need to make the free throws a little more consistently. That was was one of the only complaints really from the night. But otherwise, I mean, uh, I don't think they're going to shoot the three like that. That's a little too much to ask. 12 for 22. 12 for 22. That's that's a little too much to ask. But, you know, if they could uh, flirt with the the 40% range, that's more reasonable. 8 for 20. Uh, Yeah. 38 to 40. That I mean, that's – it, but at uh, 12 or 22, you're not going to hit that many nights. Be, it'd be helpful, um, but, but if they can get that going. Uh, for that to happen, I would think uh, you, you have to have Tevin Brown not just return to form, but remember uh, in, in the past couple of years when Tevin has a cold streak, it's followed by a hot streak. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if he'll ever miss another one. 
and then you know he'll usually fall back. It's, it's part of averages, and that's why this season I think we've all been shocked. We haven't really seen that blistering hot streak where it's like, my goodness, he's made nine of thirteen from three range over two or three games or something like that. Well, and that might you're right. might still be coming. Yeah, I mean. It, it, I know that time is running out. The Racers are 8-8 eight and eight now, 5-6 mm-hmm. and six in OVC play. From a percentage standpoint, if we end up going to percentages for, for, for OVC tournament reasons, you're looking fairly comfortable. I mean, you knock on some wood. I mean, I don't think you're going to miss the tournament, but crazier things have happened. But at 5-6 at and six with the bottom of the league really floundering right now, you kind of feel good about your chances mm-hmm. of being in the top eight if that's the way that the OVC decides to go. Um, but you don't want to leave it up to chance, and, yeah. and you're exactly right. I was telling you pre-show, if Tevin goes two for five the rest of the season, 40%, his three-point percentage will shoot up to 35.8%. So it's not like that's impossible. It's not like he's got to just give some Herculean effort to have a respectable three-point percentage. I say these things, you still have to respect his three-point shot. He is capable of making them at any time, and... You know, him shooting 31% isn't bad in the sense of shooting three so much as it's just not what he's used to shooting. Mm-hmm. It's not what we're used to seeing. This is a guy that's made back-to-back 93, you know, 90-plus three-pointers in the past two years of his career at a high, high rate. Him shooting 31% is nearly 10% lower than his career average. And so that's why people... You know, if he would just make another one out of every ten, it would bounce back up, and and that's why people have been wondering, like, where's the shot? Where is the shot? Do you watch a lot of college basketball. Are NBA scouts at any games now? Is that even permitted? So, it, it's, how does it work? I have seen at some road games back when I was still gainfully employed uh, places for scouts to sit. Okay. I have not seen scouts attending. Now, I did see where baseball just announced that they are allowing a limited number of scouts to college baseball games this year. Okay. But as far as answering your question, I personally haven't seen scouts, yeah. but I have seen placards out for scouts if they so chose to be at those games. Because if, if they are allowed, um, it's time to soon, start. soon you'll see scouts at Murray State games because the racers have a 6'10 guy that in conference games leads the league in three-point shooting. He's hitting 50% from three in K.J. Williams. He's now become, over the last few games, a relentless offensive rebounder. Relentless. A really tremendous defender. He's playing at a level that they pay people lots of money to play the game. And you don't have to go to Europe to play it. You can play it here. Um, but... For NBA scouts, they want to see that over a stretch yeah. against various levels of competition, and uh, you know they want to usually come in person because you can see things the camera doesn't see. When a guy's out of the game, what's his court demeanor when he's sitting over there? Is he disinterested? Is he? Uh, you want to know all those things, uh, and you may start to see some of these guys show up because uh, the numbers KJ's put up recently are uh, numbers that uh, they'll get you drafted and get you drafted really well. Uh, with what he's doing right now. And I want to, you know, again, I'm still of the notion that guys like even, you know, Tevin, uh, his shooting percentage need to, need to, excuse me, needs to come up. But, you know, we've talked a lot about how Tevin and his professional prospects with the way that his balanced game and six and size, he's 6'5", he's good for the wing. A 3 and D type of guy in the NBA uh, can, can make an impact with his type of all-around game. And again, 
We talk about Tevin's field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free-throw percentage all being down. His assist-to-turnover ratio is up, his rebounding is up, and his steals are up. So, I mean, there's definitely been matriculation toward a more all-around type of player. Um, He just hasn't been as consistent offensively. But somebody that is consistent is KJ. And I know it's easy for guys like you and I can say to say, oh, well, the NBA will come calling because, um, you know, we saw John Morant make this run. And, and now we've seen Shaq Buchanan, you know, start to make a, a professional living mm-hmm. playing in the G League and perhaps, you know, further if, if as his career continues to, you know, take, a, take an upward tick. But K.J. Williams is a rare prospect, uh, or is at least becoming one in my opinion, and it, I believe in yours, because you take a look at these numbers – Neil, there's only 13 players in the country with 130-plus rebounds and 17-plus three-pointers. One of them is Luke Garza, who will be the National Player of the Year. I'm not saying K.J. Williams is a National Player of the Year. I'm saying what he's doing at his size and the numbers that he's putting up is a rare commodity in college basketball. Yeah, yeah, I know. When you are 6'11", oh, and by the way, of those 13 players, which you can go to basketball reference and see just put in the same – Put in the same nuggets I did. Anybody that's got 130-plus rebounds, 17-plus three-pointers. Oh, okay. You know, I've got it on the blog, uh, you know, at edwardmarlow85.wordpress.com. I wrote about it after the game. Uh, There's only 13 guys that are doing this. Four of them are in the Southern Conference. So whatever's going on in the Southern Conference, that's amazing. Uh, But it's extremely rare to be that efficient on the glass and that efficient at the arc. And and KJ's the only one shooting him at fifty percent right now. There's nobody that's even close. So you know KJ's been pretty solid at the free throw line. He's been an elite offensive rebounder. His size is extremely rare, and he's just been so efficient offensively and defensively for that matter. Neil, you're exactly right. When you are that size, you change the game of basketball. You're right. So I, I don't. I don't, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to put too much onus on that. KJ obviously still has another half of a year yeah. to develop. He's got a whole other year ahead of him. But they're going to get attention, is what I'm telling you. Exactly. That, exactly. Yeah. The, the NBA sky, scouts, they do the same. They look at stats, who's hot, because uh, they don't care where you're from. And they honestly don't care. Well, it's, it's an OV, they don't care if you're in the OVC, Mm-mm. Southern Conference. If you can play, they want you. Yeah, come come help us. But they want they they want to see a bigger sample size. But the recent sample size of KJ is uh, in NBA caliber. What can he do against more competition? Can he do it for a long stretch? Can he be consistent? Those are the question marks. But those are the questions they want answered. And if he answers them positively, ka-ching. Yeah, I don't even have to answer to that. You're exactly right. I, I tweeted. I mean, I tweeted it last night. You're watching a professional start to develop. Yes, I think. Like, I mean, his last month of work, not not a game or two, his last month of work, more than 20 points per game, more than 12 rebounds per game, shooting at a ridiculous clip in the OVC from three, and has been beyond efficient from two. He's so efficient near the basket. I think the only part of his game that I would love to see, but it's not really needed at this point, is does he have a consistent 15-foot jumper? But if you think about it, he's been so efficient from three and so efficient from the basket. There are a lot of NBA teams, G League teams, and Euro teams that play that way. They play at the basket or at the arc. They don't play in the middle space. They don't play in the 15 to 18 foot. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a good 15 to 18 foot jump shooter 
as Demond Robinson look like looks like he's becoming, you definitely want to take advantage of that. But if that's not your game, play at the arc or play at the basket. Whichever one works the best for you, gotcha. you've got to go with. So, unbelievable uh, stretch there uh, for K.J. Williams. Very good. Up next for the Racers uh, are two teams that just don't know how to lose, quite frankly, uh, in the OVC. EKU did have a little bit of a, of a, a COVID hiatus, and some unfortunate news for them is Jamaru Brown is out for the season. Right. He has not played a ton for them. Uh, but re-injured his uh, surgically repaired shoulder. Uh, Richmond Register reported yesterday uh, that he will be out for the rest of the year, but they've been motoring and I think mostly without him. Napper, is that the guy from mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia, the transfer? He's away for personal reasons. I'm not sure he'll be back. Yeah, so it's just one of those situations where... But they're deep without them. Oh, my gosh, they are deep. Cooper Robb has been really good. Michael Moreno, a couple Kentucky guys, a couple, yeah. couple co- homegrown talent there that's been really good. Trey King. Big test tonight, though. It's their, uh, an under-the-radar game, makeup game. They play Jacksonville State yep. at JSU tonight. Yeah. It's a ESPN Plus game. Uh, that That's a big test for them. And Jacksonville State, they're going to see if they can bounce back after they got punched in the nose by Morehead State. You got pummeled. You know, I, I kept watching. It's like, well, JSU will make a run and come back. Nah, you went the other way. 19 points. Unbelievable uh, performance from Morehead State at JSU. And I, and I kind of wanted you to get, Neil, here uh, just for a minute, just some of the numbers. Uh, Morehead State and EKU, this is a tough Death Valley run. And, again, Neil's already mentioned it. Uh, it is a it is the final Death Valley run unless you just decide in conference play. But in conference, in play. conference play, you could still play them again, but it won't be conference games. Yeah, it won't be conference games, and it might not be back to backs. But I mean, it might be yeah. if you schedule smart enough, and you're like, ah, we'll keep some in state rivalry. Nah, uh, you're not gonna have anybody do that. I mean, you may play each of them. Well, Morehead, of course, but you may go play EKU. That'd be a good game, but you're not gonna go up there. And, you don't want to live up there no. for three days. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. I'm just saying, coaches, because you have options, they're going to have options and go play somewhere else. Yeah, no, I I don't necessarily disagree with you, but uh, yeah, you, you've got Morehead State on Thursday and EKU on Saturday, and it's an unenviable task for sure. I, I just I'm just being honest. Yeah. I mean, it's an unen. It is. McMahon mentioned it on Monday night. I think he's more. He's still. You can tell he's still thinking about the what he called a lack of effort. This isn't from me. I'm I'm just reporting what I see, and what Neil saw. But the lack of effort when Moorhead State ended Murray State's home winning streak. Yeah. Effectively. I don't think the racers. It's not like they loafed the whole game. They were. Uh, they Coasted. were out hustled though. Yeah. Uh, and there's one of the few in the entire reign of Matt McMahon as the head coach. I don't know if you could have to put up five fingers to say, here's the games where the other team played harder than the Racers. But you can go look at the film of that game. Morehead State played harder from the get-go. Just look at the first five minutes. They the- came in here with that attitude, we're coming here to whip your ass. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And that's the attitude and then they, they approach the game with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was impressed with them from the get-go. But I'm thinking, is the game, it's like, they're not going to be able to maintain this. Uh, yeah, they look good right now, but this isn't going to happen for 40 minutes. 40 minutes, they're, they're really good. Well, and not only were they really good defensively, but they executed just enough. And that's what they do. Offensively, I, I'm not trying to be inappropriate here. Offensively, they don't scare a soul, I, in my opinion. I mean, they might knock down a few big shots, you know, but they're only averaging about 67 points a game. Yeah. What they do really well, Neil's going to get into right here. Yeah, defensively, phenomenal. Uh, 
giving up 62.4 points per game, first of all, absurd. It, it doesn't put a lot of pressure on you offensively to know you only have to get 63. If we can somehow come up with 63 points, we're probably going to win the game. Yeah. They're getting 67. Don't, they don't shoot it great. 45%. That's not bad. 33% from three range. That's barely making a profit there. Got to be above 32, and they're there. 66% at the line. But how do they? 62 a game? Holding teams to 41% from the field, 29% from three point range. And they got about eight guys that defend really well. Really well. So they don't get tired. They can bring two or three off the bench and uh, just keep hammering you. There's uh, other than Janai Broom, who's the shot blocker inside, and he didn't even play. He was out for that game. Yeah. And uh, the racers used uh, Talon Cooper. Uh, who started that that contest? And uh, I don't remember the other player had two different players that uh, and racers really had uh, no answer for them. But it's not size; it's big, uh, thick dudes, six four, six three, six three, six six, that can really defend quick and smart basketball players. Yeah, and and they they rotated. He played. He played a Preston Spradlin played an entirely different starting lineup. I remember you and I talking about this about a month ago. Yeah. You know that with Broom out during that time, who is very much looking like an OVC Freshman of the Year type candidate. Um, with Broom out, you're exactly right. He he ran with Cooper, ran with a couple Julius of different guys. Julius Dixon started, yeah. um, uh, and he didn't start James Baker. Now now the two uh, Broom would have started, so yeah, for sure. He just wasn't available. But the guys who are now into the starting lineup, KJ Hunt and James Baker, who didn't start, and uh, th- I've never seen this Ed. They're, the numbers of their starters, they start number one, number two, number three, number four, and number five. Like their jersey numbers? Yeah. That's awesome, actually. I do love that. I do, too. Uh, that's it's, cool. Uh, when, I think uh, I read in Major League Baseball when they first gave numbers, that's how they gave them. Our leadoff hitter, he's going to be number one. Uh, number two to the second place hitter because there was no rhyme or reason. Right. They just started using them, so that's how they start. But, yeah, one, two, three, four, and five, that's their starting lineup. Well, I wish everybody would do that. That yeah. would make it so easier. They would you know make it easy. immediately whether a starter was in there. If it's one, two, three, four, and five, they're in there. However, some difficulty here at Murray State, we would never have number three in the game. You That's know, true because it's know, been retired. It's all up. So can't nice. Really, can't use that one. Well done. So there's, it does create some problems, but it tells you they're <laughs> all available at Morehead State. That's true. All those numbers can be retired uh, later. Um yeah, they've been really good, uh, and like I said, that's the immediacy that, that this racer team has to focus Nine on. Nine-game winning streak. Yeah. they The only team hotter than them is Belmont just because they haven't lost right. in the league. You're exactly right. Moorhead State, since uh, – and they split – and I I wrote about this uh, multiple times. I, I warned people, like, once Moorhead State split with EKU, I was like, oh, this team's going to compete. This team's going to contend. Uh, because they should have swept EKU. They should have. They had they them blown out. had them blown out, and EKU just went on a torrid shooting spree to, you know, come away victorious in that one. But, you know, we talk about the numbers with EKU. Oh, my goodness. It's 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 who who gets hot for them is what's been so good. First of all, don't they don't they lead the nation in steals? Yes, by a lot. I mean, they're they're a, well. They oversee like, by a lot. Yeah, Jeez. it's like it's like twelve point one or twelve point two steals per game. It's absurd. Now, what EKU does uh, defensively translates into what I would consider one of the fastest paces in the country offensively, and they're going to put up three pointers for sure. One hundred eighty-two steals to their opponents, ninety-one. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. That's two to one in steals, steal ratio. I mean, they have five guys with 20 or more steals on that team, including one with 30, Trey King, who's having a uh, just a great year. Yep. And uh, Greg Stottlemyre, who is their play-by-play man, has been for ages. He said uh, they hit the uh, point guard lottery is what he says. He said they just – they're good and they're deep at point guard. You're talking yeah. about so it's it's Wendell Green, yeah, uh, and then who back who backs him up right now? That I'm not sure. I haven't done my scout. This is the only team the Racers haven't played this season in the OVC, right? So I just I've seen them all, scouted them all, but I haven't really scouted uh, uh, Eastern Kentucky as far as to what they're doing for backup. Well, I know like how that. good Wendell Green has been. Don't be fooled by his shooting percentages uh, because I know that those aren't amazing but he is able to fill the stat sheet up quick um and he's had some big big games he's had a couple 30 point games in the ovc so far uh, yeah so I, he looks like he's you know 78 assists 37 turnovers uh two to one i'll take it yeah so he's he's doing a, a really good job there and they have you can, usually you can uh take a look down the roster see who's playing 10 minutes or more now napper as we said is out but uh trey king wendell Green Jr., uh, you have uh, Kurt Lewis, uh, Michael Marino. All Kentucky kids. Uh, Rob, uh, or Cooper Rob. Kentucky. So uh, then you go down, to, they have uh, three other guys, Russ uh, Crookshank, uh, Hobbs, Blanton. So they, they're deep. A deep team. They they shoot it uh, pretty well, uh, 44%, 33%. Uh, defend uh, okay they actually defend the three right at Moorhead State's rate. Right. So defensively, they're not they're not too bad. They like a faster pace though than Moorhead State. They're oh, a little slower. Extremely Eastern fast. Kentucky's a get up and down. Uh, but this is it's going to be be quite the challenge. Uh, they're on a hot streak too. Uh, they've won looks like two, three, four, five. They've won eight straight games. And then they've had COVID issues. Yep. So the teams the Racers are going are combined seventeen straight wins. Yep. Now that may not be the case because Austin P will play EKU Thursday, so we'll see. Yeah, it's just it's it's just like I said, it's a tough week for sure. It's definitely a challenging, challenging week. Yeah, the Racers do have you know they they get that extra day of rest because Eastern Kentucky does play tonight, Thursday night, and Saturday, and it is an afternoon game. But uh, uh, I I can't wait. It ought to be really terrific games, uh, and they'll be challenging. We've always complained, Ed. I want the OBC to be better top to bottom. Well, well guess is, what? It is. Here we go. Yeah. At least near the you, top. You don't is. have two teams at the top and then everyone else stinks. Yep. You got about probably about five or six really good teams at the top. The way the Racers are playing right now, I think you could put them back up in the top four or five in the league right now. No, absolutely. We bounce over to top four or five in the league and you look at women's basketball and, um, you know, rare, rare opportunity to try and get a Belmont sweep. And uh, it was tough. You know, the the Bruins, here's what happened. Uh, Macy Turley hits a three at the top of the key that barely draws iron. It's 10-9. And then Belmont goes on a 22-2 run to take a 31-11 lead. So the Racers took it on the chin. The, Con- the Conley chin. Conley yeah, chin. nice play. Go. That's good. Yeah, because Conley chin, 6-1 went off. Yeah. I mean, what'd she shoot? Eleven for seventeen from the field. Yes. Couldn't and really, her only misses were three pointers. I don't. I didn't ever see her miss. I think it because every time I looked up, she made shots. Yeah, I guess she missed them when I looked down. I was like, miss she ever miss? Yeah, she missed all of her threes. She went zero for four from deep, but she literally made every two uh, except like one. She was extremely efficient inside the arc. 
Um, just did a lot of things really well. And what Murray State did during that 10-minute stretch, they went 10 minutes without a basket, which was not ideal in that situation, obviously, because it's basketball. You've got to get the ball in that basket. Um, probably the longest stretch maybe since Rochelle has been at Murray State where they went without a point. Just turnovers were a big deal. Belmont was extremely aggressive in blitzing the arc. Um, extremely aggressive. Uh, and it kept the racers out of any sort of really nominal rhythm uh, offensively. Yeah. Um, credit to the racers, though, because they got to within four twice in the fourth quarter. And I was sitting there looking at the stats going, how are you doing it? They can't. They, how do you rally and not make shots? That's what they were doing. They're still shooting poorly and still finding a way to rally, you know, forcing a few turnovers, turning those into points, making free throws when they got from the line. Did hit a couple of big shots, but I, I thought if you beat this team shooting in the 30s and shooting under 20% from three range, it's miraculous. And they looked like they were on a pace to do that. Yeah, the, the, the third quarter and about the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, just a relentless <clears throat> full-court pressure. I relentless. Mm-hmm. I, if it wasn't... You know, if it wasn't Alexis Burpo and Macy Turley doubling down, it was, you know, uh, Bria Sanders-Woods uh, and Alexis Burpo in the midcourt. It was, oh my gosh, I mean, they threw Lacey Hawthorne out there. They threw pretty much anybody out there for a pressing lineup that had any amount of size. And then you had, you know, Lex Mays. You know, she was out there blitzing quite a bit. Tough shooting night for her against Belmont. She went 0 for 9 from 3. Uh, a lot of really good open looks that just did not drop. And that was a tough, the racers. Yeah. Fell 66-54 to a very good Belmont team that's really starting to kind of warm up a little bit after their COVID pause. And, you know, and the tough part was the Racers did a really good job defensively to hold Belmont to 66, but they went 3-for-20 from 3. You know, and and in the effort of trying to save your legs and let's make a couple of threes and keep this run going, they just couldn't do it. So they'd blitz, get a turnover, and then finally the legs just kind of got out from underneath them in the fourth quarter. And I felt like that was the... Probably just the difference maker is that Belmont was able to close later in the game, whereas the racers, you could tell, were just a little bit out of gas, you know, yeah. having put into pedal to the metal. They outscored Belmont 23 to 13 in the third quarter to get back in that game, and again, cut it to four twice in the first two minutes of the fourth quarter and just never could get that big shot mm-hmm. to fall. Any of those three pointers from Lex Fall or, or anyone else for that matter, Macy was harangued as well. Any of those three pointers, three for 20. Uh, you get two of them, yeah. and you probably put Belmont a little bit on the skates there. But, you know, Conley Chin, uh, 11 for, believe, like I said, like like I said, 11 for 17 from the floor, yeah. uh, pretty unreal. But uh, the one big spot, and you mentioned this pre-show, Neil, the one big, you know, bright spot for that game was Hannah McKay. 12 points, 8 rebounds, I think led him in both categories, but she had also had a good game. I think last time out it had 11 points. So uh, starting to see the player – that I saw at the Girls' Sweet 16 with Owensboro Catholic. Uh, I remember seeing her and go, she's going to make a good college player for yeah. somebody, uh, OVC level somewhere around that. She would really be good. Uh, the Racers got her. She's had to deal with uh, either injuries or some COVID issues, uh, protocol issues, things of that sort. But I think now you're starting to see, wow, she's good. You put her along with uh, the uh, the other uh, talented freshman inside, and suddenly – yeah, you're starting to see something that uh, the racers are really able to build on with young players. Yeah, he, young players. Uh, Caitlin, you, you put Caitlin you, Young. You put Hannah McKay next to Caitlin Young in that front court. Mm-hmm. Once Lacey Hawthorne graduates, 
Uh, and who knows? Maybe Lacey comes back. I, yeah. I'm not even attacking that. This is a free year. I don't know what's going to happen with seniors. I really don't. We won't. I don't think we're going to get any clarity for the men or the women until far after the season has been completed. Probably two to three months. Maybe as they start to decide how recruitment's right. going to go. I, I'm not going to wish. I'm not going to push anybody out the door. Well, I don't know how that works. Men's players. I know how it is. They basically all think they're going to go play at the pro level. Sure. So they're going to hang around and play as long as they can. But for some women's players, unless you're elite, you probably know that I'm not going to at least play WNBA. Uh, there may or may not be an opportunity here or there. But for, sometimes uh, you have jobs set up in your major. Yep. And you really need to go take that job. For We've both. seen it happen in the last year or two, and it might happen uh, on the uh, the women's side, uh, probably a little more than the men's side. Uh, I think some of the guys, I know they they tend to hang on hope a little longer than some of them should. It's like, go ahead and see, see what you're going to do in life. Yeah, I don't know how that evaluation process will either. go, but we'll learn. Yeah. You know, as reporters, we're going to learn how that'll work, not only after basketball season, but after football season. So we're not going to talk about football today. I do know that we are getting closer and closer to kickoff. You're uh, not? <laughs> You're not going to give me a Super Bowl champ? I was going to at least ask you that at the end. Oh, well, we can do Super Bowl's coming up. We'll man. kick to that in just a okay. few minutes. Then. All right. Uh, but, I, I again, huge Death Valley swing for the racer women's basketball team as well that finds itself. We do keep hearing for women's basketball, and, and, and I guess that'll move over to the men too, but we haven't seen an official announcement yet. But Rochelle Turner, head coach uh, of women's basketball, does keep mentioning percentage points. Mm. We keep hearing it in her press conferences. So I would have to think they're leaning toward the possibility of having to go to percentage points for them as well. Yeah. And that may be the case. Again, Am I missing something? I haven't seen an official announcement yet. Yeah, I think if, if everyone doesn't play around, Robin, it's winning percentage. Right. But I'm just uh, saying if, we haven't seen an official it. announcement saying the Evansville tournament will be for percentage points. I think it was in the announcement uh, very early on. Uh, I would have to double check on that. That 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 it isn't. But if it was a if these if this many games can't be played, it goes to percentage points. I do know that, but I'm just saying we haven't come to that demarcation yet. Well, well the season isn't over yet. Right. That's the that's, games have to get played. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to miss any yet. Yeah. That's they may true. play all of them. So and if they play all of them, then yeah. it doesn't go to percentage points. So in basically what I'm saying then. And what you're saying is that teams are aware that they could be in that situation, yes. so they're trying to avoid yes. being in a difficult yeah. spot. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's just like saying every win matters. Like, it just yeah. it just does. Like, just go win. But I see where teams might start thinking about the mathematics of it all. If one team goes four and three, and another team goes five and six, you've got one more win, but your percentage points aren't as yeah. good. Uh, solve all the problems and just win, baby. Just win. But I, I'm not <laughs> sure. Solved. You know, now that I think about some of the press conference conversations we've had, I, I could see where that would probably make a yeah. few coaches frustrated. Well, it does, honestly, if you just go realistically, the actual – I don't think it's realistic to expect all the games are going to be played. Yeah, that's true. Because you, right now you can make them up. But you're going to get to that last week, and there's no time to make them up. You're so right. If you have any COVID issues – Miss them, and if you miss them, and again, I think the winning percentage, as I read it, it only goes for the eight qualifiers. So if uh, the teams at the bottom, if they are supposed to play one another, they don't play, they don't qualify. You'll just go with the That's top. Fair. That's fair. But if the the tenth and eleventh place team, they're a game short, it doesn't factor in. Yeah. And you don't go to winning percentage. That's totally fair. Okay. 
Yeah, definitely a big uh, Death Valley swing for the racer women's basketball teams this week. They've already beaten Moorhead at home. They've got a you know a tough game there, and then they haven't played Eastern Kentucky yet. So that's another matchup where you know, going to be really interesting to see kind of how they shake up against EKU. EKU has been one of the weaker teams mm-hmm. in recent memory, but this year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're actually they've won several games. They have, but these honestly, this is a four-game stretch where they should win all four. Yeah, they, they should be picked to win all four. Yeah, it doesn't mean they will, but they can win all four, and I think they should. But they they can't shoot thirty percent and fifteen from three range. If they no. do that, they're opening themselves up to lose to any of those teams. You know who isn't shooting thirty from the field and fifteen percent from three? Who? John Morant for the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously a tough stretch of games he had to miss because of his ankle injury, but in uh, two games this week, just since you and I last talked, he put up 19-11 and 11 and 13-8 and eight against Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. 13-8 and eight doesn't sound good, as I told you uh, when I looked at it last night, until I saw he'd only played 22 minutes. Then that's pretty good. Yeah. He had an ankle scare, again, just a bit wobbly there in the third quarter. He had a little bit of a tweak that he went to the locker room, had it checked out, came back. Played in the fourth quarter, everything seemed to be fine. But it's one of those situations, after you've already had a grade two sprain on that same ankle, you get a little nervous, for sure. Uh, and you want to make sure everything's okay. So, you know, he didn't, but he didn't have to because they beat the dog piss out of San Antonio, 133-102. to It's the first time in franchise history they had nine players in double figures. Nine. Man. Tyus Jones of the Duke Blue Devils, uh, backup point guard, uh, nearly tied a franchise record with 14 assists off the bench. And Morant had 11 with five turnovers, or with eight, excuse me, with with, uh, four turnovers. Mm. Uh, I was thinking of the previous game. So, I mean, in the previous, in in these last two games, he's put up 32 points, 19 assists. Morant is currently, after last night's game, where he went 55% from the field, made his only three-pointer, He's one of only two players in the NBA right now averaging more than 20 points and seven assists on 50% shooting. The other player is Nikola Jokic, which, by the way, I know you're a huge NBA fan. I don't know. even know who he is. If Nik- he showed up at the door, I wouldn't know who he well, was. Well, that's unfortunate. Nikola Jokic is the Joker. His nickname is the Joker. He is an unbelievable passer. He's also in a very serious conversation for MVP this year as the Denver Nuggets uh, premier point center. All I right. mean, he is a he's a six eleven center. He's Why is he the Joker though? Well, jo- Yo- green hair. No, his last name is Jokic. Okay. So Joker. He, nah, and the way that he passes is so tricky. Oh. It's unbelievable. Okay. I mean, he, you want to talk about a six eleven star? And actually, Jokic is probably seven one, seven one. Really, he's just an elite passer. So he plays for size. who? The Denver Nuggets. I thought they were in the ABA. Oh, geez, Neil. You're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Does Dan Issel still play for them? No, Dan okay. Issel doesn't still play. Okay. Good Lord. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are now 9-6, and 6-1 on the road, and they're riding a seven-game winning streak. That is, that's really good. It's the longest in the NBA. <laughs> wow. Who would have thought that? Uh, with Jaron Jackson. Exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah. Jaron Jackson, Justice Winslow, Jonas, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, and Grayson Allen all sidelined. Man. Right now, for COVID and other relative issues, that's that's. I mean, really, the excuse is there to, for that to be the other way. Yeah, lose seven straight. Yeah, to be or even be six and nine. Yeah, just at six and one on the road, it's their best road start in franchise history. Okay. And they play again tonight on the road at Indiana. So, I'm taking it that the that fans it? and the organization still happy with their first round pick 
of the year before. Yeah, not too bad. Okay. I think they're particularly thrilled. Uh, yeah, it's at Indiana. Indiana is a five-point favorite. Could come to an end tonight. Okay. Indiana's pretty good with DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, Sabonis, excuse me. But Does he uh, have a uh, Batman nickname, too? Or no, I don't he think does. he has a nickname He's not yet. the Riddler? No. He's not the Penguin? Not Catwoman? No, no, no. Okay. I, I don't know. I, this is true. This is true, Neil. Your love of the NBA. I know more about Batman than the NBA. It's obvious. That makes me sad. Speaking of uh, former racers, I uh, do want to go ahead and give a nod to Isaiah Cannon, who is playing it for Cannon. Cannon. Actually, I think it's back to Cannon. Is can- it back to Cannon? I think it's back to Cannon. Dang it. Because the Russian broadcast and even Isaiah has done a couple of interviews since then, and it's back to Cannon. I, I, don't, I don't know. I find it funny. What? Um, you know what? The way that he's shooting right now, he can be called whatever, whatever he wants. He wants. You, yeah. get, you get your own call. So he actually, Isaiah plays for Unix Kazan in Russia. Well, well, uh, Unix? Well, I, th- I think oh, it's... Come on. Okay. That I, can't be right. U-N-I-C-S. I don't know how else to pronounce that. I would pronounce it a different way than that. Unix? I'm not playing for the Unix. <laughs> you can play for the Unix. I'm not playing for them. Well, Isaiah Cannon's all ball right okay, now. Okay. Right. So... <laughs> he is averaging currently after 13 games in 27.8 minutes. He's shooting 59.1% from two, 39.1% from three, and it looks like he's taking free throw lessons from Macy Turley because he's averaging 94.4%. He's missed two. So even she would go, I'm impressed by that. That's pretty good. Yeah, she could actually be impressed by that. <laughs> he's only averaging 1.7 turnovers per game, uh, 3.7 assists, 2.9 rebounds. Hmm. Uh, you know, he's an elite shooter. What do yeah, you know? I, and I, Isaiah, uh, one of my favorites, named an All Star in Russia. By the and way. I think Dave Winder. That's like uh, that's probably one of his top three racers of all time. Mm-hmm. He talks to Isaiah Cannon all the time on the road trips. Dad and his twelve RBI game. You hear that all the time. Or was it thirteen or fourteen? I don't remember. I think it's twenty, maybe twenty against Iowa. He was wielding a tree trunk that day. I think it was. <laughs> he uprooted it just outside of this baseball stadium <laughs> and just brought it in with him as his bat. Good Lord. Makes the natural jealous. But, yeah, no, absolutely. Russia, uh, Russia's got a good one uh, in Isaiah Cannon. And he, again, along with Shaq Buchanan, as he and Darnell Court get ready to start there, they start right after Valentine's Day or right around Valentine's Day in the G League as former racers who are going to be a big part of uh, – the push for the basketball tournament this week, uh, this uh, this summer. So, yeah, good stuff there, absolutely. And uh, you know, you love to see it. Yeah. <clears throat> Do want to thank really quick. Um, gotten some more subscribers. Um, you some, have. some more paid patrons uh, over the last few days. Uh, David Moss, Jay Cannon, and uh, Big Big Al Mason. Oh man! Are are fixing to ju- are are jumping on the board? That is really awesome. They are getting involved uh, in our in our in my fundraising drive, I guess so to speak, to keep a blog going and to keep a podcast going. Uh, if you're so interested in, in becoming a part of that, it is Anchor.fm backslash FTW Inquired I N Q U I R E D, and we appreciate all of our patrons and supporters. Um, it really means a lot. Like I said, uh, and, and as I'll continue to mention, I'm not really sure what my professional chapter uh, will be, uh, but I appreciate supporting the blog and supporting the podcast. I appreciate Neil and his Cones of Dunshire t-shirt. I do, yeah. Yeah. Got going today. By the way, the dishwasher, uh, she's still out of town. Uh, you'd be proud of her. She is actually in the middle of binge-watching Parks and Recreation. Yes, mm-hmm. I am proud of her. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, she, uh, as a matter of fact, well, she's always said that Murray okay. is a direct reflection 
right. uh, of the show. So now I'm show. excited. So soon, when she gets done with it, I can brush you aside, and then her and I, you can bring her with you. Absolutely. We'll do a Parks and Rec podcast. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that show. Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, I would love for you guys to do a Parks and Rec podcast. I, I think people would listen to it. Um, if they like Parks and Rec, they would. Otherwise, true. but that's the thing about podcasts. You find your little niche and then do it. Just find what you want to talk about and really shoehorn into it. But no, I, and she's way more diligent about it than I am. I've probably only seen maybe six or seven episodes. Like, I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, but yeah, she's been binge watching it religiously. Yeah. I've probably watched... And I'm saying it's probably under 10 times that I've seen all the every through. episode all the way through. Ten, yeah. uh, but it's under 10, yeah. and you're not sure. Yeah. That's a lot. I can't say anything, Neil. I've done the same thing for Star Wars. See, I have probably yeah. seen every Star Wars film, I, and I haven't even yeah, seen I all the material. I haven't seen all the material. Yeah. I, I still, there's so much material to see. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen all the cartoons. I haven't seen all of Rebels and Clone Wars and all that jazz. But when you're into it, you're into it. And, uh, you know, you're a Parks and Rec guy, you yeah. know? And, uh, and the office too. Yeah, and the and the office for that matter. Yeah. What do you think's better, Parks and Rec or the Office? I like Parks and Rec better. And I, the thing that ruins the Office for me in terms it doesn't ruin it, but it knocks it below is having to. It, it took me a year or two to appreciate Michael Scott, right? Because you so wanted to just punch him in the face. Almost every episode. Well, I mean, but he, he Steve, it, Steve Carell did such a good job. He, oh, oh, yeah. He, making his wise. face punchable. Yes, he, he did. But, uh, my gosh. Anyway, toward the end, yeah, I really liked him. And at the very end, uh, really, really, really liked him uh, the way they came together. But that that's the thing that separates it. You have much more good feelings all the time watching Parks and Rec. Not many cringe moments in Parks and Rec, and yeah. a bunch of them in The Office. Yeah, but I mean, that's the one thing I will say, and, I, and I've not seen all of The Office, but I've seen several episodes. That's what The Office does such a good job of doing, is making it cringeworthy. Like, he, yeah. you watch it, and you're like, oh my god, I dealt with this in The Office, this sucks, like... You're you've got to be kidding me! Like this is actually happening, but it's that's the comedic effect of it. Is it's like right. you've got to be kidding me! Like Rain Wilson, my gosh! Like bad boss, shrewd is terrible. Coworker, coworker that irritates you. You know, over everyone's career, you'll eventually run into one or the other of those. Usually, you'll have a bad boss or a coworker that makes you want to. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you're both. And sometimes you're that person. You're the bad <laughs> boss. Yeah. And you're the coworker that people like. To, if he comes in with that cones of Dunshire turn on one more time. Yeah. I'm going to kill him. So, so things like that. I'm going to poison his lunch. So, yeah. Neil, it's been real. What? No, no Super fun. Bowl prediction? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, picking, I'm picking Brady's team. Who's that? I th- Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tampa Bay. I think for because me. Because I don't know who they're playing. Who are they playing? The, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs. That's right. The Patrick Chiefs. Mahomes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I think the reason that I was just trying to shun this NFL talk. Uh, I know because, why, and I'm about to bring it up. Yeah, because the Saints aren't playing in it. No, that's that wasn't it. Oh, what's I it? know what you're doing. What am I doing? You're trying to get out of here because you don't want to talk about Nolan Arenado and the Cardinals. Big, big, oh. but you're giving me the cut that we're out of time, aren't you? Damn it. No, I'll come back. I'll come back. I'm sorry. I put the headset down because I was upset. Yeah, it's a huge trade, man. Yeah. And you guys got, you gave them nothing. And getting money. And you're getting money. I am so. Gomber. I am literally. Gomber's fine. As a matter of fact, I just drafted him yeah, in Stratomatic. Pretty good. I'm pretty thrilled that I've got him now as a key middleman. What I am super frustrated about, Neil, and I'm leaving on this because I'm pretty pissed, is that you guys got him for freaking free. 
<laughs> you guys yeah. literally, Neil, you got a gold glove, 300 career hitter, power hitter in Bush Stadium for free. You got paid to take him. And now the Reds aren't going to keep Trevor Bauer. We need a missile in the silo so that we can actually pitch to the Cardinals now. Because now you're infield, and you guys are probably going to bring Colton Wong back.